Well, good morning, church. So good to be here with you this morning. Hope that you all are doing well, doing well, and escaping some of the heat that we've been experiencing. It's great to be here with the church this morning. So for all of those of you sitting in your homes, and for all of you listening in online, thanks so much for being with us this morning. All of us, at one point or another, have probably played or participated in the activity known as show and tell. Uh, You probably participated in show and tell, so you probably know what it is. Uh, Show and tell is this uh, activity of participation where you take something uh, that is of value to you, you take something uh, valuable that maybe someone has given to you or that you have received, and you show and you tell about it. When you were younger, as a child, you probably uh, showed and told in regards to a stuffed animal or maybe a blanket, something that uh, someone had given to you and you valued it and you held on to it and you uh, didn't want to go anywhere without it. And when the opportunity arose, you showed it and told about it. But this happens throughout our entire life. In fact, when we're teenagers, we, uh, we show and tell in different ways. Uh, Maybe we have just gotten a new computer or unboxed uh, a newfangled instrument that we just got on Amazon and we want to show and tell. Maybe it is that we've gotten a new car for a birthday or uh, we have received a trophy because of something that we've worked hard at. And maybe we don't stand in front of a class like we used to when we were young, but uh, instead we use Facebook and Instagram and TikTok to let the world know. And so we show and tell. But that doesn't just happen when we're teenagers, does it? No, of course not. It happens throughout the rest of our life as well. Uh, Maybe there's a a new relationship that we happen to be getting into. Uh, Maybe it is that we purchased our first home. And we just can't wait to tell the story. We can't wait to get into show and tell all over again, just in an adult version. Uh, Maybe this time we bring over all of our friends and and we begin to to show them our, our new home or whatever the case might be. In all of those scenarios, we desperately want to tell the story of something that's valuable to us. Church, we're in this series called Holy Habits. Now, Holy Habits, this entire series really is built around this idea uh, that we would be constructing, that we would be forging habits that build a pathway uh, for God to do some transforming in us. You see, habits themselves don't change us. God is the one who changes us, but, but habits really create pathways for God to do something special in and through us. And so these habits are stepping stones that we have created so that we can continue to step forward and forge an environment, create patterns so that God can transform our lives, so that God can change us, so that God can do something extraordinary in and through our lives. And this morning, the habit that we need to talk about is none other than show and tell. The habit of show and tell, some people call it the habit of evangelism. Some people call it the habit of sharing your faith. Some people uh, call this habit, this stepping stone, the stepping stone of 
advancing your story. Maybe you call it discipling, but whether you call it evangelism, whether you call it sharing your story, uh, whether you or not you call it what we're calling it this morning, show and tell. This habit is extraordinarily important for you and I uh, to get our heads around and our hands on. You see, of all the habits that we're going to talk about, of all the habits that we've talked about before, and all the habits that are to come next, uh, this might be one of the absolutely most important habits to develop. This might be one of the most important stepping stones that we could possibly lay out. Uh, This might be one of the most important steps that we lay out and that we forge in this pathway. And that's because of any other habit that we're going to talk to, uh, this is the one that draws us, uh, gives us most anxiety. It creates the most fear for us. But it creates the most fear because it's not just about us anymore. It's not just about our individual habit. It's not just something that I do in the quiet place in my heart or in my home. You see, this habit of show and tell, this habit of sharing my faith, this this habit of of opening up God's Word or or sharing the story of what God has done in me, it's no longer just about me. It means that there's something that I must do to reach out and touch other people. And we fear rejection. We fear the anxiety of the moment in which uh, we tell our story and wonder what other people might begin to think. Yet, uh, even though this habit, even though this stepping stone and this particular uh, forging of this pathway creates more anxiety and more fear than any of the rest of the habits probably will, it's this habit, it's this habit I think, that Satan dislikes the most. He might even tolerate the fact that we read the Bible or pray. He might tolerate that we would fast and serve other people. He might tolerate the fact that we can gather in a building and lift our hands and sing songs. But one thing that Satan hates is when we gather together with other people to tell them the story about Jesus in us. And this habit, perhaps maybe more than any of the others, is one that has the capacity to create in us more maturity than any of the others. Because it strengthens all of them as we learn to tell the story well. And there's a character in the Bible that understands all too well, all too well the fear and the anxiety that comes with a habit of telling the story of what God has done in us and through us. There's there's a character that understands all too well uh, some of the consequences that can come, the rejection perhaps that can come uh, when you are a part of of telling and sharing your faith with other people. His name is Paul. And this morning, we're going to look at a couple of sessions where where Paul shares his faith. We're going to look at a couple of scenes in Paul's life where, where Paul is there telling the story of Jesus through his own story. 
We're going to catch up with Paul as he shows and as he tells. And as we catch up to him, we know that, uh, that Paul, he has made this uh, a habit in his life, and it doesn't matter where he is. In fact, when we catch up to him in a couple of the scenes that we're going to look at, uh, it seems that Paul is always in trouble. But even though Paul happens to be in trouble, even though he's, he's on the verge of going to prison or perhaps dying, he continues to tell the story. He continues to tell his story and how God has impacted his story. And now it's God's story working through him and in him. It's Paul participating in show and tell. This morning... I hope that you will join us in participating in show and tell as we look at Paul and we learn from him, as we seek maybe to emulate what he is doing in the Scriptures, and we learn how to forge our own habit of show and tell, of sharing our faith, of making sure that people know about God in us. So that we can do that this morning, would you join me in Acts chapter 22? Acts chapter 22. So we begin the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then it's the book of Acts. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And then the book of Romans. If you get to Romans, you've gone too far. Flip over uh, a couple of pages and get to Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22 this morning. I'll give you a couple of moments to turn there. Acts chapter 22. One of the things that Paul does for us as he shows and tells, as he, uh, inquir- as he forges this habit of, of sharing his faith, uh, one of the things that we learn from Paul is, is that every, everyone has a backstory. Everyone has a prequel that they need to tell. All of us have a past. Uh, Every single one of us, regardless of how long we may have known Jesus, uh, all of us have a time where we have to predate Jesus, where we have to say there was a time when Jesus for us was not. When we have to look into our lives and say, uh, yeah, there was a time before I really knew who Jesus was. And Paul, when he shares his faith, tells of a time when Jesus wasn't a part of his life. He tells us of the prequel. Uh, Look in Acts chapter 22 and notice the prequel. And look in verse 2. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they began, they, they they, excuse me, I'm going to start over, okay, everyone? When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. And then Paul said, I'm a Jew, a Jew born in Tarsus, of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prisons." As the high priest and all the council can themselves testify, I obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. 
He's telling his past. He's telling us, and he's showing us, and he's telling us a time when Jesus was not part of his life. If you will, go over to chapter 26. Paul tells the story again. Let me encourage you to look for the past. Look in verse 4. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. You see, everybody has a past. Every great story has a great beginning. Every great story has a backstory. If you are fans of the Star Wars trilogy, if you are fans of watching some of these movies, then you're probably a fan of some of the prequels that tell you how some of the things that you know and love came about. And this is what Paul is doing. He's saying, I want to tell you what happened before Jesus. We all have a prequel. Now, some of you have been running from your past for a long time. Uh, some of you look at your past and you're so ashamed of it uh, that you've decided to try and cut it off and not remember anything. But I want to encourage you to do something different. I want to encourage you to do what Paul does. You see, uh, Paul comes around his past and he knows that he needs to embrace his time before Jesus. You see, you're not defined by your past. You're not defined by what you did before. You are not all the mistakes, perhaps, that you have made in your past. Does it affect you? Absolutely. It certainly affects you. It affects and has shaped you in many, many ways. But you no longer need to be afraid of your prequel. And when you're showing and telling, when you're forging this habit of sharing your faith, this piece of sharing your past, of sharing who you were before Jesus, is going to be a really important piece. Can I tell you about my prequel? I was born in the middle of a blizzard in January in Washington. I was born to a loving and beautiful, compassionate, 19-year-old young woman. You see, she had just been married and, well, part of the marriage was because she was pregnant with me. She'd recently been kind of estranged from her uh, new husband and so she found herself at the hospital by herself, not with her husband, but rather with her sister as she was giving birth to me. Now mom, if you're watching this, I want you to know I love you. You've taught me so much about compassion and love. And I want to thank you for loving me. You see, church, even though the, this pregnancy might have been unplanned, my mother showed me that I was not unwanted. And mom, I thank you for that. Thank you for loving me. Church, we all have a past. And this is part of my past. I didn't really get to know uh, my father growing up. Uh, not really at all. I hadn't met him until I was 18 years old. 
But not too long after my mom divorced, there was another man who came to be my dad. Uh, He was my dad from the time that I can possibly begin to remember. In fact, I carry his name, Cahill. Church, this is part of my story. And you know what? That dad loved me. And he taught me a lot of things. He taught me about a great work ethic. And uh, he taught me uh, how to be, well, try and be uh, ingenuitive. He taught me that sometimes you're not going to have all the things that you really want to have. And so you need to begin to work around it and be flexible uh, so that you can continue to work well in life. Dad, if you're watching, I want to thank you for all that you have given me. There's so much that I can't possibly begin to repay of all that you've taught me. Thank you, Dad. I love you. Church, we we all have a past, don't we? We probably all have parents. And some of us have grown up with parents that we've really enjoyed and that we have a good relationship with now. And some of you have a very different story to tell. But whatever your story, your past is a part of it. And my parents are certainly a part of mine. You see, I'm one of the lucky ones. My parents saw that we were in church. When I was young, most Sundays, uh, we found ourselves in a worship service. We found ourselves uh, singing. We often found ourselves uh, at church on Wednesday night for youth group. And sometimes there were special extracurricular church activities in which we were there. And and from a very young age, there was just something about my life that that God was training up because I had parents that cared enough uh, to make sure that we were in church. And so I have this, I have a, a part of my past that, that the church was a part of it. I grew up recognizing that church, uh, being a part of this fellowship of believers, was part of what life was really all about. Now, I would love to tell you that I was the perfect kid, but that's not part of my past. No, instead, uh, quite frankly, I was not the perfect kid. I was not the perfect kid at all. You might say that growing up, I was pretty simple. I was commonplace. I was a hyperactive kid. I had so much energy running through the fingertips uh, that I couldn't sit still for anything. I was always moving. In fact, my parents, if they wanted to really punish me, would sit me in a chair for 10 minutes and say, don't move. I was this hyperactive kid that was everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. And don't you believe that I wasn't also ornery and annoying? I'm sure that as my parents may be watching this, uh, uh, they're thinking and shaking their heads and shouting amen. When I was in the second or the third grade, they put me in special ed. When they put you in special ed, it's not special. It just means that you're kind of dumb. Or at least you have a a lower level of reading and comprehension than any of the other kids, so they stick you in a room kind of with all the other kids that can't get it. And that was me. 
They put me in special ed because I wasn't reading well. That's part of my story. In the fifth grade, we had to move. It was in the middle of a year and it was kind of hard on us. And, and I just remember being tormented over and over by gangs of bullies that year. It's a part of my past. But it's also a little bit what led me to Jesus. I'm not afraid of my past like I used to be. But anymore, because I want to show and tell, because I want to forge this habit, I want to embrace my past. Now with all those things, I also need to tell you that I was addicted to sin. Have you ever been addicted to sin? Rebelling against the things that you knew to be right, but doing the wrong things anyway? When I was younger, I, I had this issue with lying. I knew that lying was bad. I knew that lying was wrong. But uh, for some reason, I kept lying. Just ask my parents. One day they asked me, Mike, are you lying? And I knew lying was wrong. So I said, no. Of course I was lying. And they said, Mike, are you fibbing? Now, I had no idea what fibbing meant. So I, I thought, well, fibbing sounds a whole lot better than lying. And so I said, yes, I'm fibbing. Church, you have a preacher who has in his past an issue with fibbing. And there's lots more things. I stand in front of you a man who has done some really shameful things. Shameful things that I would never tell you from this stage. Church, it's who I was. There was a time before I knew Jesus. All of us have a prequel. All of us have a past. And Paul, as he begins to tell people, as he begins to have this habit of showing and telling, uh, he is embracing who he was. In fact, uh, oftentimes when Paul uh, writes letters to other churches to help them, he wants to help them embrace their past. Oftentimes, he, he identifies them and he says, you were this. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the Spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's who you used to be. That's who you were. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, he says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. You were. That was your prequel. In another letter that he writes um, to Titus, uh, in Titus chapter 3, uh, verse 3, he says it so incredibly well. He says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Do you hear it? It's our prequel, it's our past. And if we're going to embrace this habit, we must embrace our past. Why must we embrace this? 
Why do we have to look back in order to look forward? Why is it that we have to come to understand who we were before Jesus in order to tell people about Jesus now? It's because our past sets up the goodness of God's grace. When we catch up with Paul again, this time in Acts chapter 26, we recognize that although Paul used to be someone else before he knew Jesus, he comes and he says, but Jesus... You see, in every great story, there is a contrast, there is a change, there is a transformation. And Paul comes around and he says, yes, uh, this is who I used to be in the story that I am telling you. Uh, That's who I used to be, but I want to tell you who I am now because of the grace of Jesus. Uh, Go with me now into Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. And I want you to hear, I want you to listen uh, for what Paul is saying. I want you to hear what he says in Acts chapter 26. I want you to notice what he says so that you hear the words of Jesus. I want you to understand what he says in verse 12. He says, on one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. He said, that's my past. Now about noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick it. Is it? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And then I ask, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of Me. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn from... And turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in Me. Oh, what's he saying? He's saying, hey, I used to do this, but then God showed up. People of faith, church, those of you who have made a commitment to Jesus, you need to embrace your past, but you must also embrace that moment, those moments when the Lord's story collided with your own about how God uh, took redemption, this entire redemption story, not just about you, for, but for all of humanity, and how He interceded with you on your behalf uh, so that you could be saved, so that you could be justified before the God of the universe So that one final day, you will never have to make excuses before God. You will have Jesus standing next to you. You will be clean before Him. Now I'm here to tell you that this is the great transformation for all of us. Now there's something that you and I need to recognize. We don't need to have an experience like Paul to have an extraordinary collision with God's story of redemption and grace and His mercy. 
You see, I didn't come to know Jesus because uh, I had a, a great flashing light and Jesus showed up in my bedroom to have a conversation with me. That's not how it happened for me. No, it happened in a, a long, slow drip for me. It happened as I watched and encountered and was spoken to by the people of the church. It was the people of the church. It was the church acting through my life that really drew me close enough to Jesus so that I would recognize and understand what Jesus was trying to do for me. It was the church and ordinary people in ordinary ways uh, demonstrating what God's love looked like for me uh, so that I could come and embrace the grace of Jesus. And I remember, I remember the first time as I was embracing all of this, I was going to a church camp. I was pretty young, but uh, at the end of one night of services, in the evening, uh, they had a time where you could go forward. And it was a time really to try and say, uh, what do you think about your relationship with Jesus? Will you accept Jesus? Now, I, I have to be honest with you. I don't know at the time uh, that I knew of all of the implications of what it meant to accept Jesus. I didn't know half of the things I knew now. I didn't know all the things about the church or the Bible but there was something stirring inside of my soul that said, I want you to respond. And so that day, uh, I went down the center aisle of that particular church camp, and I, I tried as best I knew how in that moment to say, Lord, I have a desire to follow You. A few years later, when I was in the sixth grade, it was February 17th, 1991, and I made the decision to be immersed into Jesus' death, His burial, and His resurrection. That I might leave and die to sin and rise again to live a new life in Him. Jesus' story had collided with my own. And having embraced my past, He was going to make my present and my future far, far better. You see, we embrace the past because in it we find the great gravity of God's grace. And God was showing that to me. I want to return to another letter that Paul wrote, and it's in Titus. What a beautiful chapter. Titus chapter 3, and in verse 4, he begins to say, I know that this was your past, but I want you to recognize the great contrast. Verse 4, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. God showed us His grace and this was the great transformation. And as we embrace and as we forge a habit of sharing our story with other people, of how God collided with our story, we end up sharing God and His grace. Not because we were good, not because we were righteous, but because God was gracious and He was merciful and He showed us an opportunity and we took it. 
And as Paul shows us, not only do we have a past, not only do we have a present where we accept and we understand and we appreciate and we in, live in gratitude for the grace of God, now it means that we're on this great adventure. And our task and our responsibility is to do good. And part of that doing good is to show and tell. Is to share our faith. After these two occasions in Acts chapter 22 and Acts chapter 26, as Paul tells his story, he lives his story even further. In the book of Acts, in the very last chapter, we find that Paul, uh, again, because of his faith, is under house arrest and he's in Rome. Uh, but that doesn't stop him. He wants to help everybody know uh, the story uh, that God wants to breathe life into everybody else. And so, in Acts chapter 28, as Paul is under house arrest, we find him and he just keeps telling people about Jesus. He's undergone everything else, and he, even though the Jews seem to, to not want to know what's going on, uh, he continues forward. It says in verse 19, uh, the, in chapter 28, the Jews objected. So I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I didn't intend to bring any charge against my own people. But for this reason, I've asked to see you and talk with you. It's because of the hope of Israel that I'm bound with this chain. And they replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there have reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are. We know that people everywhere are talking about this. And they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came even in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. And he witnessed to them from morning until evening explaining the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. He never stopped showing and telling. In verse 30 and 31, it says, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the same man who in Colossians prayed, Lord, may I be bold as I should. There were times when Paul certainly was afraid to show and to tell, but he shows us this extravagant desire, this extravagant responsibility, this habit that we need to forge in our lives about sharing our faith with others, about showing and telling the good story that Jesus has given to us. Church, it's time. And I want to challenge you to show and to tell. To share your story. You have to embrace your past. Appreciate the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And then appreciate the present so that you can go and show and tell. And my challenge to you is embrace this habit. Show and tell to your friends and to your neighbors and to your family members and to your colleagues. Church, it's time. Show and tell. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love You and we thank You. And Lord, I pray that You'll help us to embrace this journey 
of sharing our story. I pray that we'll share our faith with great boldness. And Lord, we would not be afraid. And if we are, Lord, I pray that You will blow past our our fear with faith so that we can tell the story to other people. Lord, help us to be people who show and who tell. And we pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Church, you're loved. God's blessings on you. Bye-bye now.